You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of Scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of His Holy Spirit about His Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who has come in order to give us the good news of our continual restoration in His kingdom, so that we might point to him. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Cornelius Anderson went by the nickname Mike. So Cornelius Mike Anderson, in 1999, he walked into a Burger King in St. Charles, Missouri with a gun in his hand and walked up to the manager and said, give me all of the money that's in the deposit box. Well, the manager didn't want to get shot that night, and so he took the deposit box that was filled with $2,000 and gave it to Mike. Mike then took that and went to his car and sped away into the evening. It would have all worked out for Mike, except for the fact that there was an eyewitness to the crime, and the eyewitness not only was able to identify Mike, but was also able to write down his license plate number as he sped away into the darkness. And so after a few weeks of looking for Mike, they finally found him and arrested him. And at his hearing... He was convicted of robbery and with a deadly weapon and all of the the different things that were a part of the case meant that he was totaled up to 13 years in prison that he was looking at. And so they transferred him to his first little spot in prison, a place where he was going to start to spend his 13 years. And while he was there, because his lawyer had put in an appeal for him, he was able to actually get out on bond, on about $25,000 bond. Well, as he was out on bond, his lawyer kept on this appeal case, which got sort of lost in the paperwork of the state of Missouri. And so what Mike did was he he stayed out on bail knowing that at any point in time, the state of Missouri could come and could haul him away to prison. The thing was, 13 years went by. And because of a mistake in the Department of Corrections, Mike didn't go to prison during those 13 years that he was supposed to be locked up. Finally, in the 13th year of his being out on bond, 
U.S. Marshals found him and took him into custody and said, you're going to prison now. Well, his lawyer was able to argue his case that because he had been out for 13 years and under the specter of whenever he thought about this, that he would go to jail, that that was enough of serving his time. And sure enough, he was able to convince the judge who said that as he looked at what Mike had done in those 13 years, that he was completely rehabilitated, that he had completely changed his life. He had started his own business. He had been a good husband and a good father. He had been a good citizen. And he said, because of all of this, you're a changed man and you are now free to go. And from that point on, Mike didn't have to worry about going to prison any longer. Now, there's a whole lot of people who argue the different points of this case and argue if it was right that he didn't have to go to prison. But the story remains an interesting story about what it means for us to change and how we change. As we look back over the past year, we maybe can see moments in which we have changed. As we look at this past year, as we have gone through all sorts of different things, as we have moved from uh, a moment of, uh, of being in the midst of the pandemic to feeling like we sort of got out of it only to have the Omicron variant come and knock us down again to where we are now. And maybe we've changed in other ways as well. Maybe there has been something to how you have been living out your vocations. Maybe you're a student who is at the end of the term right now and you're looking back at this past year and you're going, I've changed in these manifest ways. Or maybe you have had something else happen in your life where you recognize that there's a change that has happened within yourself because of something that has occurred in your life. All of us go through these changes as we live our lives. And a lot of times they're barely perceptible until we start to rewind the tapes and look at how we have changed and what kind of things caused us to change. Now, the two sort of super apostles in our stories today from Scripture, well, they definitely have moments where it wasn't barely perceptible where they changed. They had these moments where they absolutely knew when a change occurred in their life. First of all, we have the story from Peter, who is out fishing with his friends after seeing the risen Lord and yet goes to his kind of old job. He goes out and, and he says, I'm going fishing. 
that we don't know if he's going fishing in order to pay the bills or if he's going back to fishing in order to say, well, I'm done being a disciple. Jesus is gone. He's showing up randomly, but we're not really following him anymore as disciples would follow a rabbi. So I'm going back to my old job or, or what it is that he's doing, but we know that he's on the boat. And the way that John tells this story is that he, he's bringing us back to the beginning of his telling of Jesus's story. In fact, there's so much here that we're looking at in this ending to John that if we just rewind the tapes back a little bit further to the beginning of John, we see that, well, not much has changed. It's the same cast of characters right down to the two semi-anonymous disciples who don't get a name. We see that they're both beside the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, same place, different name. We see that there's all sorts of stuff that's returning back to the way that it was. They're back on the fishing boat. They're back fishing. But there's something new. And that something new is that Jesus is walking by and he says something to them much like he said before. He said, throw the net on the other side of the boat and you'll catch some fish. And something about that signals the disciple who Jesus loved to go, whoa, this is Jesus again. And so Peter, recognizing that it's Jesus once more, he puts on his clothes and he jumps in the water. Now you kind of go, well, Peter, normally people do that the other way around. But he puts on his clothes, he jumps into the water, he swims to shore, which John tells us wasn't too far away. And there he is there with Jesus. And while he's there with Jesus, after they get done having breakfast, Jesus turns to him. And there's this moment that changes Peter's life. And that moment is that Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Y yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? And it says in the scripture there that at this Peter was grieved. And it's probably not that he was grieved that he had to answer the same question over and over again. Uh, Peter, it wasn't like, oh, Jesus, did they do something to your hearing when they crucified you? <laughs> Peter rather was grieved because it reminded Peter of something from his life. It reminded Peter of another series of three statements that Peter had made. Do you know this man? I'm not one of his disciples. Do you know this man? Surely you're one of his disciples. I tell you, I don't know the man. Do you know this man? I told you I am not one of his disciples. But after every time that Peter responds back to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter tells him to take care of his sheep, reinstating him, putting him in a place that he had once held.
And I mean, we always think of Peter as being the sort of leader of the disciples because it seems like he was the leader of the disciples throughout the Gospels. And after the Gospels, when we get to him here in Acts, it always seems like Peter is the leader of the disciples. He's the one who, who comes and he speaks and preaches at Pentecost. But we have to remember that there's a little moment in between Jesus being the leader of the disciples before Jesus dies and this moment in the Gospels where Peter probably doesn't feel like he's the leader of the disciples anymore. In fact, Peter probably at this point feels like he's one seat away from Judas. He knows that he loves Jesus, but he knows that he does not deserve to lead God's people. And yet every time Jesus says, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. In those moments, Peter is being restored. He's being given a new chance. His life is being changed and maybe changed back to what it was, but it's being changed in a manifest way. Just like Paul. Paul, this great persecutor of the church, this great person who is known for the fact that he has so much zeal inside of himself that he wants to eradicate this heresy of Christianity off of the face of the earth. He's willing to go as far as Damascus in order to pick up people and to bring them back to Jerusalem so that they can stand trial and possibly be stoned as Stephen was stoned. This person who's filled with all of this animosity and anger and passion. This Paul is knocked from his horse by a mysterious vision and a light that blinds him. And he's brought blind to the house of a Christian. And at this house... He lives for three days in shock. Perhaps in the very same kind of shock that Peter had experienced between those moments of crucifixion and the moment of his reinstatement. This moment where he recognized that things had changed. Things had changed because now he had been knocked off of his horse by the Son of God, who didn't say to him, Atta boy, Saul, good job, go get those Christians. Instead, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And yet, after those three days, God sends Ananias to him to announce healing and restoration for him so that then he can become again 
filled with zeal and emotion, filled with all sorts of excitement for God, but this time an excitement for God that recognizes who Jesus is, that Jesus is the Son of God. And you, you have these moments too. You have these moments where you feel like your Christian life is maybe cruising along pretty well. It's going okay. Yeah, your things are, are going the way that you think they should. You're being the Christian that you feel like you should be. And then all of a sudden, there's a moment. And whatever that moment is, it's this moment where you get under stress. You go into shock. You get into this moment where you go, oh, life is so different now. Maybe it's because of a sin that you committed that you never thought that you would commit. Maybe it's because you committed a sin that you thought, well, I'm done with that one. I'm never going to do that again. Maybe it's because of something else that's happening in your life. But you get to this moment where all of a sudden you are in shock. And you have to figure out, where do I go from here? And into that moment, God does the same thing that he did for Peter and Paul. He comes into your life and he restores you. He doesn't restore Peter and Paul in the same way, and he's not going to restore you in the same way, so don't expect to be knocked off of your horse later on today. But there will be a moment, and maybe you've already experienced a moment like this, where you've gone, I sort of feel like God is telling me that I'm restored. Maybe that moment happened when I announced God's forgiveness to you just moments ago. Maybe that moment will happen for you the moment that you come forward for communion. Maybe that moment is coming someplace else, but in some way, God wants to give you that assurance that he is restoring you. You know, in terms of American religious practice, there's kind of this notion of giving your testimony. There's kind of this notion of saying, well, I had been this and and now I am this. But when we look at scripture, the news is actually better than that. I mean, that's really good news. If we can go from this, whatever this might be for you, Whatever this was for you, before you became a Christian or before you understood how this theology thing worked or before something, and then all of a sudden you you get on the other side of that. That's really good news. But the even better news is what Peter and Paul find out. The even better news is that it doesn't stop but rather that God continues to restore you. He continues to change you. He continues to work in your life. He continues to bring you to this place so that you can hear about his forgiveness. He continues to bring you to this place so that you can taste his body and his blood shed for you. He continues to restore you so that you're living out 
life. Sort of like Mike. Knowing that you are under a sentence of condemnation. Knowing that if it wasn't for Jesus, at any point in time, the angels could bust down your door, take you in handcuffs all the way to hell. But rather, that Jesus has stepped in to your place so that you can be restored. So that you can live free, knowing that that condemnation is there rightfully for you, but that it's not being enacted because of Jesus. And knowing that one day you will stand before the throne of God, just like Mike stood before that judge, and God will look at you and say, Not because you lived out 13 years of a sentence, but rather look at you and say, because of my son, you are now completely free. You are now a part of my everlasting kingdom. Come into the resurrection. May you remember that God is working his restoration in you this week. Every time you find yourself in shock, every time you find yourself in sin, every time you find yourself in a moment where you're in that place where you need God to restore you, remember that his word of restoration is just beyond that moment ready to be given to you again, over and over and over. Amen. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through his church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Lord,